Welcome back to episode number 224 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is the podcast where we're building a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your show host, Dr. Chris Cloney. Today's episode, we are coming back into part two of this fireside chat with Jeffrey Wanko, Director of the Office of Chemical Process Safety Enforcement Initiatives at OSHA. And we're discussing the re-release of the Combustible Dust National Emphasis Program, the NDP on Combustible Dust in the United States. This was a new release that was made in February 2023, so just a few months ago at the time this was coming out. In last week's episode, we talked through what is this fireside chat. So this was day one of the Dust Safety Conference in 2023. The ending keynote of that day was a discussion on the Combustible Dust National Emphasis Program. We had a keynote from NFPA to kick that day off. We had a bunch of technical discussions on things like dust hazard analysis, plant inspections, hazardous area classification, passive and active explosion protection. And kicking off this day or finishing this day, we had this fireside chat, sort of a cool down session with Jeffrey Wanko discussing combustible dust, OSHA, and this new national emphasis program or new release of the national emphasis program. Last week, we covered the past. Now we're moving to the present and future of OSHA with combustible dust. We're going to talk about why the national emphasis program was re-released, what's different, what's changed, what industries and NASICS codes are now included in there. And we're also going to answer some questions that had come up during the discussion from the audience, from myself as well. We talked about the difference between the National Emphasis Program and the grain handling standard. How does NFPA and DHA requirements fit in with OSHA requirements? And how can the combustible dust safety community and those that were at the conference come together to support combustible dust in the United States and the National Emphasis Program moving forward? If you did not attend the Global Dust Safety Conference, there was another 40 technical presentations and keynotes and fundamental sessions and all sorts of other things going on. So if you're listening to this in the future, and that's of interest, you can probably go to dustsafetyacademy.com, join up for the Dust Safety Academy there, and we'll be announcing when the next event or any other types of materials that are being released for Dust Safety Academy will be available for you to be involved with there as well. And so without further ado, we'll get into this second half of this fireside chat with Jeffrey Wanko. And so then that's been relatively fixed since 2000, like we'll say 15 years yep. Or, yep. or 15 years. Yep. Um, what's caused then this most recent re-release of the national Emphasis program? How did that come about? Same sort of question. Did we change targets and then inspection and the, the how to part of the NEP has that evolved at all? So the initiating event was the loss of a few key cases in court to that well, Cooper Tire out of Ohio that I was heavily involved in and American Phoenix out of, uh, I think, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, were two big losses in court. And in our estimation, the judges were fairly critical of the Ephesus program, but they also saw some of the, some of that teaching material that I talked about earlier as being mandatory. So if a compliance officer wasn't doing something that may be mentioned as an ed for educational purposes, they questioned why we weren't doing it. So in the original 2008, 2007, 2008 version, there was a laundry list of the tests that could be conducted in our Salt Lake City lab. But OSHA does not do design for the establishments that works inspecting. We're only looking to establish a hazard. So this laundry list of MIE, MEC, I mean, you, you just, you name it. 
layers, clouds. Right. Conductivity. I mean, we didn't need that, yet it was there. So the judges question, why is it there? And why do you have it there if you're not going to do it? And so we quickly found that there were some problems with that narrative. So that led us to, all right, let's take a, let's take a harder look. Let's, let's really evaluate this as, as a complete unit. Let's look at our performance, where we're seeing the biggest bang for our buck under this, under this emphasis program. So all that came into play. We eliminated the educational material, put that in the OSHA technical manual where it belongs, or moved it into our training program where it belongs. Did not belong in national emphasis program. You would never see, you never see information like that in an emphasis program uh, document. The other thing, we took a look at the data. We did a real, we did a real deep dive into our enforcement history and the enforcement data looked at where we were seeing violations, where we were having, where we were showing up and not being able to inspect what, what, uh, what industries were we finding did not have combustible dust hazards that we had on our list. Where were we not seeing violations and where were we seeing incidents in industries that were not on our list. So we looked at all of this and decided that some industries needed to get dropped off the list and some industries needed to be added to the list. So that was critical to this. And then the whole, you know, must inspect, can inspect list just did not make any sense. So we combined them as as a whole and made it made it one list. So a lot of drivers to reissue this in a more, to me, I mean, more straightforward, more understandable, more process-oriented emphasis program rather than a teaching a teaching document and a document that we couldn't, we really could not defend why we had two different targeting lists. So now we have one targeting list, all the teaching materials moved out, and we think we're going to have richer, more successful inspections that really was was the goal inspections that will survive the scrutiny of administrative law judges or the OSHA review commission that means we need to be you know cooper tire there was a lot of sampling there were a lot of sampling problems the compliance officer only taking a single sample yet trying to impute hazards across the facility and you know we could not defend that because we couldn't say that the material that he sampled was the same material that was up in the rafters, the same material that was in the blenders. So, you know, we really honed in on sampling that also went into the technical manual and is part of our training as well. So with that, we think we have a much more defensible document will be a much more successful document. Just took a long time. Yeah. Thank you for that. Well, every, anything good is worth waiting for. Is that how they say it? So we have the, the education materials been moved out, condensed, something that's more straightforward and actionable and, and easier to understand and, and apply. Reanalyze the list of NASICS codes, and, and we do have a specific question on that. Anything else that's, before we get into more specific questions, and I get a whole host. We should schedule this for two hours, Jeff. <laughs> but we'll, we'll get through what we can in the hour, and then we'll, we'll let you go. Anything else that's different in the new NEP when people read through it that they should be looking out for? No, that's, that's, that's really it. I mean, the justification for the NEP is really the same. Nothing's changed there. Everything is the same. We're, uh, 
we're still that you know it's still young so we don't have a lot of data associated with the new nep you know i've got some data i could share if you if you really care about it you look at the numbers if the audience wants to see the data then tell me in the chat <laughs> otherwise i think we'll talk about some featured stuff my son just get, did just get home so i hear him doing karate downstairs so if you pick him up on the mic that's what's uh, that's what's happening there we do have a question here about a very specific nasix code um the person who asked the question mentioned that and this might be instructive as a case study to how things get added and dropped, that um, fossil fuel electric power generation was removed from the list of NASIX codes and that the hazard's still there. So, you know, how did that decision come about? I know that's a very specific rendition of what came out of this, but it might help me instruct folks how things get added and dropped. Yeah. So one of the things that we really wanted to look out for was how, how dilute we wanted the list to be. We looked at all of the all the data where we were seeing violations, how many violations were being issued per inspection for a certain industry, and we just had to cut it at a certain level, or else we were just getting too dilute. You know, if we added a set another set, say we went from five and five violations per inspection to three violations per inspection, that just added to the dilution effect. And what that does then is it means that we're going to have people sent out and not have successful attempts at, in, at inspections. So we had to draw the line somewhere based on our experience, based on what we were finding out in the out in the real world. That one was that one was dropped. We just weren't seeing the bank the bang for the buck. Sorry for that lousy, lousy pun. We just weren't seeing it. If we start getting more resources and better at this, we can start adding back in. But we have a long way to go. Retraining this agency, we, you know, the, the pandemic, like everybody, we lost a lot of experienced people or experienced people moved into management. We suffered the great resignation, just like everybody else, about 19% of our workforce went poof. So right now about, I think it's it's either one out of every five, or one out of every four compliance officers has less than a year experience with OSHA. So we are in a retraining mode almost entirely in getting people up to where they can actually take on these very complex inspections. So with that, we just cannot support some of the inspections and send resources out where we possibly may not get an inspection or may not have a rich inspection. So that's really why some of those came off. Well, it makes sense. I mean, and I showed some examples to open the conference of some coal dust explosions. The notes would be the, the power plant explosion I showed was in a country that has a massive uptick in the building and use of coal power generation. So a country that is the windling in their coal power generation, you know, may not pay as uh, big attention to a country that's right. As a, a literally, to use a bad pun again, a massive explosion right. in the building of coal generation power plants. Um, the other one I showed in Baltimore was not actually a power plant. It was like a terminal yep. that uh, was, I, I believe, loading and unloading boats, mm -hmm. probably to go to, to power plants elsewhere in the world. I'm not sure where it was going. But so that may be picked up by another NASIX mm -hmm. code or, or not. I'm not sure. I but don't know. It's, it's interesting. I, I have no idea how you pick the NASIX codes, but this it makes sense to have a, a process to do it and then look at the data. Yeah. and take the limited resources we have to apply. Let me just take a look at my list of questions here quick. I do want to get into some, some forward 
basic stuff, but I don't want to leave any really important stuff out. So let me take a quick look here. Let me look as well, see what we haven't covered. So two things that come to mind. Oh, we're going to run out of time. <laughs> okay, one thing that comes to mind is the split between combustible dust and grain handling industries, because there is a grain handling standard. Correct. Where does that sit in your portfolio? Is it, I guess if I had to guess now, the NEP has a list of industries and people inspect on those, and then you also inspect on the grain handling standard separately. Is that how it kind of the divide works? Or I, I'm trying, I always try to wrap my head around how, how they fit together. The, the NEP does, hand, does address and does include grain handling as a targeted industry. Not necessarily the big elevators, the, you know, the DeBruce, the, the West We Go, you know, those elevators. Those are addressed in specific emphasis programs in the region. So Region 7 and Region 6, our Kansas City and Texas offices have grain specific emphasis programs for targeting facilities under 1910-272. But the NEP does target, you know, those grain and field bean. So I think it's 454-110. Got here somewhere. 424-110-424-510, grain and field bean and farm supply merchant wholesalers. I think they're targeted as well, but they're targeted a little differently in that, you know, think about your just your agronomic suppliers that don't have a large grain silo where they're doing, you know, agronomics and distribution of seed and grain to farmers for whatever reason, those fall under the standard or the the NEP. But 1910-272 is one of the more common citations under under the NEP. So it's, it's, there is a very gray line. It is not you know, certainly it's not scoped out of the of the NEP, the, the big grain silos and the grain elevators. They're not scoped out, but it's not exactly the emphasis that we want to put on. We want to we want to look at manufacturing, the real dynamic processes for handling of dusts. But 272 doesn't come under my office. 272 comes under the general industry office, if that makes any sense at all. Because 272, as you know is not a direct adoption by reference of NFPA 6061. It has a whole host of other hazards that it's addressing, primarily engulfment. And we just had another engulfment today in in Texas. And lockout, lockout of sweep augers. Those hazards are truly addressed by 272, and those are really where we don't associate that with combustible dust. The combustible dust side, the the bucket elevators and how they're protected, how the headhouse is protected, and the conveyors, how the, that's all protected, that would fall under the emphasis program. Yeah, it makes sense when you, the national emphasis program would guide where the inspections go, and then the grain handling center is just one of the one of the many, many possible right. reference yeah. points yeah. for that. Like, and you mentioned NFA sixty one. That was my other question. I really wanted. Because we'll have a lot of folks here that, I mean, we kicked off the conference today with a, an NFPA 660 discussion. Mm-hmm. How do you see what NFPA is doing and has done with development of, of the multi-week combustible dust standard fitting in with OSHA's move forward? And do you see that more, I don't know, adoption by reference mm-hmm. or 
like how do, how does NFPA fit in? And then how do we even make it, you know, what, what format should it be to even help more moving forward? That's like a big, hard question. It's own discussion, but let's, let's reeled into NFPA 652. And how does that fit in with, with uh, OSHA's approach? Since 1912 or whenever the, the sugar standard came out that we didn't realize sugar plants were exploding. Yeah, it's, it's huge. That, that could be, that could be an entire day right there. Yeah. So since Guy Colon is in the audience, I got to say NFPA is doing a great job. How's that? <laughs> and so OSHA cannot adopt by reference anymore. That ship sailed in 1974. Right now, now we have to go through rulemaking through the Administrative Procedures Act, which is extraordinarily difficult and extraordinarily lengthy. So, for example, the big grain elevator explosions that occurred in 1977-78, so I mentioned Westwego and Galveston being the two, two biggies that I remember, we didn't issue the grain standard until 1987, 10 years, nine years. So we cannot do that anymore. We have to write our own standard based on NFPA or API or whoever it might be, but it has to be our language and our standard. What's important about NFPA and other industry standards and consensus standards is they're the basis for industry to learn about hazards and how hazards are abated. So we have a sentence in the OSH Act of 1970 called the General Duty Clause, Section 5A1. Paraphrasing, employers must control hazards, right? That's a paraphrase. Big, big paraphrase, okay? So we cite the General Duty Clause often, especially in dust, because we are able to say this consensus standard tells your industry that there is a hazard with this operation, this process, this piece of equipment, and it gives you an abatement method. So there is, there is industry recognition of a hazard and there are feasible means of abatement. Those are two of the biggest prongs of a general duty clause uh, violation that we have to establish. So we are very often, and you will see the laundry list. If you look at the, if you look at the NEP, you'll see the laundry list of NFPA standards, ICC, API, FM Global, data sheets, UL. You'll see the laundry list of things that we could possibly go to to say, this industry has recognized this hazard and it has provided a means, a feasible means of abatement. That is how NFPA currently fits into this enforcement program. We do not, and I'll, I'm going to be very clear, we do not enforce NFPA. We don't do that. NFPA gives us, or API gives us a feasible means of abatement and the identification of the hazard. So this afternoon, what's beyond the DHA, right? We cannot enforce a DHA. OSHA will request a DHA, maybe you've done one, but we cannot, it is not a violation of OSHA to not do a DHA. Because a DHA, performing a DHA in and of itself is not a hazard, okay? And likely, even though we'll, we'll look at the DHA, it's going to be very difficult to use it, use the DHA against you, like in our normal audit policy. We don't use audits against you. 
but it could be a guidepost, okay? But we will not cite the DOJ or 652 directly saying that you haven't done a DHA. Just want to get that out there. <laughs> One thing I want to make very clear. Thank goodness that sentence exists, but yes. <laughs> yes, good. Right. So if we have if we have a standard or regulation, we generally don't have to go through the steps of showing that a hazard exists. We have a standard for a reason because a hazard exists. So we generally don't have to go through that exercise. We have to show exposure. We have to show that an employee is exposed to a hazard, but we generally don't have to prove that a hazard exists because there is a standard for it. And the docket and the rulemaking and the APA all make us go through that process that a hazard exists. So that's already done for us. No, it's helpful to know because I've I've had that question. <laughs> I've heard that argument of the a DHA is not a hazard before. So it's good to clarify that is is part of the argument. I would say, so you're saying two things are needed for, for a general duty clause, a recognized hazard, and then a accepted abatement methodology. Many other, many standards can give that NFPA, API, so forth. And I mean, those are kind of the same two things that you need, like to make a defensible legal case as well. If something happens and, and you need to pay your lawyers to make it, you know, or if you're I mean, case putting H you, then same thing. Was there a was there a recognized hazard they should have known about, and was there an approach against it? And that's where you may expand into legal side. Doesn't really care if it's a hazard or a document or not. Uh, we we talk history, and nobody really you know uh, history is fun, but really it's about where we're going from here. I, that that to me is the important part because you know I I intend to be with OSHA through the rest of my career, and I want to see us uh, lessen the incidence rates across the board, not just combustible dust, but process safety, as well as fatalities in trenches and electrocutions and that, you know, the stuff that kills people every day. Okay. Well, I think let's, let's close off. Well, with there's, yeah, there's, there's two, there's two burning things. So I, we have to talk, we have to ask what our community can do to, to better support us. So we're going to say that as the last question. Before we get to that, you mentioned that there are, 900 inspectors and and um i lost the number but several million sites and you and and you can blame yourself for this because you put in the the topics that we could discuss you know is is it enough to make it oh this is your words not mine is it enough to make a difference and you know what do you think about moving forward and i do want to close off we have this community we built up of you know hundreds of people that are involved in the conference and, and thousands of people worldwide how do we help OSHA move forward. We'll close off with that before that. You know, where do you see things going with OSHA inspections? Can they make a difference? And, and we'll, we'll lead into the, the finalization of the, the discussion from there. Um, there is no question in my mind that OSHA makes a difference. I truly believe that we are saving lives every day. And um, I, that's how, that's, that's what I yeah, get exactly. to do in the morning. We can certainly do a heck of a lot more. Uh, we are slowly, if you look at our the number of inspections that OSHA is doing annually, it is slowly, it, it took, obviously it took a dive during the pandemic. Uh, it was on a, on a coast down, downwardly, even leading into the pandemic, but we are slowly coming back up. We are picking our numbers back up. And, and yes, started this with the discussion with the, threat of inspection does have an impact. OSHA being at a site in 
Peoria. Since uh, Mr. Markle's from Peoria, I just mentioned Peoria, but OSHA being at a site in Peoria means that the, the word's getting out that OSHA is here and people are going to talk, whether you're at the at the Elks meeting or the LEPC meeting, we had no issue inspection and this is what they found. That is going to do good. But we certainly could do more. We are all in this together. You guys, us, we're all in this together. OSHA's goal is to get to abatement, not punitive. We are not punitive. We don't do this for the money. OSHA doesn't see the money. Okay, it goes to the treasury. OSHA never sees the money. This is about abatement. And we all can work better to get abatement. Just some of those pictures that, that were shown over the last couple presentations. You know, they just they send, you know, they just, yeah, they can be funny. But when you see a uh, an explosion vent on a dust collector or a cyclone that is closed with a two by six and C clamps. There's a problem. And uh, we all need to work to fix that problem, that there is a lot of education here. So one of the questions that Chris didn't get to was, you know, that that effort back in um, back in the early 2000s with the CSB, 2003, 2006 was sort of the start of combustible dust, the combustible dust graze in the United States. That's, you know, 20 years now. There's still a lot to be done. There's still a lot of education out there to be done. And I really want to challenge everybody here to just get involved, whether it's with your company and just being a voice in your company, a leader on this within your company, or the LEPC and being part of the LEPC locally, being a voice. OSHA. Working with OSHA, special government employees working uh, for VPP and start uh, uh, assessments is also a help. We need PSM people as SGEs. We need combustible dust people as SGEs. Getting on those committees, API, yeah. NFPA, ICC, getting on those committees is going to help this move forward and help get the word out. So I challenge you all. Help us and get involved and uh, be a voice for change and be a leader because that's the only way stuff like the two by six and the C clamps are not going to show up the next time we go out to a facility. So you got it. I think we'll leave it off at that. Um, tremendously valuable discussion, Jeff. I appreciate what you brought here with us today with these discussions. I think it's actually opening a book to hopefully more discussions like this and getting more interaction between. I mean, in, in the audience here today, you have everyone from end users to health safety managers to consultants to experts to equipment providers to insurance, to other government, other governments, inspectors, and and bringing these people together, researchers, academics like my my background to discuss the challenge. In my opinion, is the only way forward. So that's why that's why you hear me talking so much, I guess. Um, but uh, it's tremendously valuable when an organization like OSHA and when yourself take the time to sit down to join those discussions because it's just, um, well, I don't know. I don't, before this meeting, I was kind of scared to talk to OSHA in a way. Uh, it, was, it was a black box that had a, had a, a job to do and I didn't understand it. So I left it alone. 
but this has broadened my perspective on how we can support you guys and also the role OSHA plays. Yeah, it just it makes a lot of sense. A lot of things clicked into place with this discussion, Jeff. Great. Much appreciated. It's the best part of my job getting with you guys. Absolutely. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's the choir sometime, right? Preaching the choir. Yep. But it's also knowing that there are people out there with as much passion and 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 heart in this as as I've got. So uh, I really appreciate everybody's attendance. Hope this is a great three days for everybody. Sorry, I won't be able to attend the next two days, but uh, but um, you know, soak it in and uh, let's make some change. Thank you. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much. Um, thank you everyone for attending through to the last day. We'll see you back here tomorrow at nine o'clock Eastern time. Um, we're talking about new innovations in combustible dust. We have FM Global giving the opening keynote. We have Mark Hodap for Virus Alliance giving the exiting keynote tomorrow on the International Fire Code, which is something Jeff and I didn't even get a chance to talk to, but uh, maybe that's a future discussion um, and a whole bunch of really good. We missed rulemaking. We missed the yeah, whole rulemaking to discussion too. <laughs> anyway, we'll leave it at that. Um, thank you, everyone, for a great day. Uh, and, and thank you, Jeff, again, for, for good what night. you do. Appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you so much, gang. And so that is it for part two of this re-release on the Combustibleless National Emphasis Program. Again, this was a recording from the 2023 Global Dust Safety Conference. At the end of the first day, we had a keynote, which ended up being a fireside chat with Jeffrey Wanko, the Director of Chemical Process Safety and Enforcement Initiatives with the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, in the United States. We had a really good discussion throughout these two episodes on the history of combustible dust in the U.S., the initial release of the National Emphasis Program for combustible dust in the United States, uh, why this was needed, what... Uh, how it was used, what was actually included, moving forward in time to the present. And this re-release of the emphasis program, the NEP, in February 2023, what new changes were made, what was removed from the document, what was added into the document. And also, we went into some different questions about moving forward with combustible dust in respect to OSHA and other people that are involved and other organizations that are involved with combustible dust in North America. We talked about the split between, between combustible dust and grain handling industries as covered in the NEP and the grain handling standard. We talked about how NFPA requirements fit in with OSHA requirements. We talked about how this community we're building through the podcast, through Dust Safety Academy, through the conference, and the work that we're doing can help support combustible dust uh, in North America, in the United States, and abroad as well. So as always, I want to say thank you for listening to this week's po episode of the podcast. We have a safe and productive week ahead. I appreciate everything you're doing. The industry's handling combustible dust, making them safer with the work that you do out there every day. Thank you.